It's Saturday the 19th of August, I'm Kira Evans and this was a week that saw the NHS week off to a bad start. More rows over the BB barge, Donald Trump indicted again and tributes to the Chacho King. Grab a cup of something hot, put up your feet and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the standout seven from the small seven. It's news, but not the news. This week was NHS week, but it didn't go particularly well as waiting lists continued to climb. New figures show that 7.6 million people in England were waiting to start routine hospital treatment in June. That's up 100,000 in just a month. Nonetheless, Health Secretary Steve Barclay decided to turn his attention to Scotland and Wales, where he claimed the situation is even worse. He called talks with the developed governments and says he's open to offering Scottish and Welsh patients access to private hospitals in England to clear up the backlog. Shadow Education Secretary Bridget Phillipson says Steve's not one to talk. I think the last person that anyone needs a lecture from on how to manage the NHS is Steve Barclay. I mean, this is the man that has presided over the worst strikes in NHS history. Monday saw Rishi Sunak arrive back from his Taylor Swift-themed California holiday and face his long to-do list. With waiting lists stretching out and the NHS missing targets for cancer appointments, the government floated a plan to scrap seven of the ten existing targets. Health Secretary Steve Barclay said any changes would be based on expert advice. We're diagnosing earlier, we're treating more people and the survival rates are improving. But what we want to ensure that the targets we have are focused on outcomes rather than the process of whether someone's had a check. Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer was also back from holidays, but the new NHS plan doesn't impress him much. Under the last Labour government, we had targets, we hit those targets, we didn't walk away when the going got tough. With this government, what you've got is targets that they repeatedly failed to hit, and now what they're doing is moving the goalposts. And in case you thought the strikes were over, junior doctors were not happy with Rishi's first and final offer, so they're planning to pick up the placards once again. Co-chair of the British Medical Association, Dr Robert Lawrenson, says they won't back down. Junior doctors are resolute in defending their profession and defending our pay. We've lost so much over the last 15 years that enough is enough, and doctors are prepared to stand up to this government. Rishi himself popped into a hospital in Milton Keynes as part of NHS week. He announced 900 new beds as part of his plan to reduce the record waiting list with an investment of £250 million to boost winter capacity, a move that Shadow Health Secretary Wes Treating described as a sticking plaster. Rishi was also adamant that it's the strikes and not the 40,000 NHS vaccines that have caused the waiting list to grow. However, even with junior doctors striking and consultants due to strike, Health Minister Will Quince was staying on message with Rishi's first and final offer. The Prime Minister has been really clear that the, the discussion on pay is now closed We've accepted those recommendations in full. My door remains open to discuss other issues around working environments and conditions, but pay is closed, and I think that's the right decision. NHS week wrapped up with confirmation that the government is in fact scrapping seven of the ten NHS cancer targets as it bids to streamline the cancer diagnosis process from October. The three new targets will be 28 days for an urgent GP referral, 62 days from referral to treatment and a 31-day target to start treatment for those with a cancer diagnosis who've made a decision to have treatment. Dr Peter Johnson, National Clinical Director for Cancer at the NHS England, was keen to point out that there has been massive investment but that keeping track of ten targets was just too complicated. We've increased the number of oncologists and we continue to invest in our workforce so we are increasing the cancer workforce it's never as quick as it needs to be we've more than doubled the number of people being referred in for investigations over the last 10 years and i'm afraid we haven't kept pace with that but we are investing heavily to try and get us out of this situation Six. 
The baby Stockholm barge docked in Dorset was supposed to be a quick fix for the ongoing problems with housing for migrants and asylum seekers, but it turned out to be an absolute mess as 39 migrants had to be evacuated from the barge last weekend after traces of Legionella disease were found in the water systems. Testing for the bacteria was carried out at the end of July, but the results didn't come back until shortly after the first migrants had boarded the barge. Refugee and asylum specialist Louise Calvi says the whole situation is just unacceptable. I can't fathom why people were moved onto that barge without those test results being back. And I think it's indicative of the government seeing this whole barge exercise really as a publicity stunt. Professor Dame Jenny Harries, the chief executive of the UK Health and Safety Authority, weighed in on the barge and its hazardous water systems on Monday as she explained that Legionella doesn't always pose a threat. This is quite a common finding and it's quite complex. Just finding Legionella does not necessarily mean there is a significant risk to human health and it is primarily the responsibility of the operator to ensure that that is fully managed. As the asylum backlog continues to build, the former Home Secretary Priti Patel has been complaining that migrants are being housed on a disused RAF base in Essex and Labour's Peter Carl says the situation is increasingly out of control as the government is failing to properly process applications. We are going to have an enormous mess to clear up. We will start on day one by making progress on it. There is something broken in this system but let's be really clear, the people who are currently running the country, they broke it. Despite the many problems with the barge, Rishi was standing by. He stopped the boat pledge but wasn't prepared to discuss the calamitous sequence of health and safety issues around the barge plan and seemed intent on firing ahead. This is about fairness. It's about the unfairness, in fact, of British taxpayers forking out you know, five or six million pounds a day to house illegal migrants in hotels up and down the country with all the pressure that puts on local communities. Labour's Jonathan Ashworth says the government is also failing to tackle the root of the problem, people smugglers. The Conservatives are doing nothing to go after these criminal gangs. So Labour would go after those gangs, would invest in a proper serious crime agency to really crack down on them. That's why you've got, That's how you deal with this problem. Donald Trump has been hogging the spotlight all week once again in the US. But this week began with more news on Hunter Biden, the Republican Party's obsession. US Attorney David Wise was appointed by Donald Trump and has spent five years investigating Hunter and finally agreed a plea deal on unpaid taxes and a gun charge. But the deal fell apart in court. Last Friday saw Wise granted full special counsel status by US Attorney General Merrick Garland. And you think that maybe that might make the Republicans eager to keep Donald Trump happy. But that wasn't the case. Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz, who previously requested special counsel protections for Wise now says it's an awful appointment. Well, this appointment is camouflage and it's cover-up. I think it's disgraceful. Listen, David Weiss was the U.S. attorney hand-picked to lead this investigation who spent the last five years covering it up. Monday evening saw the long-awaited Georgia indictment for former President Trump. He and 18 others, including Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows and former White House lawyer John Eastman, have been charged on counts of racketeering and conspiracy to overthrow the election. Racketeering is punishable by 20 years in prison. Georgia's Fulton County DA, Fanny Willis, says that she wants a trial date within the next six months. As is the normal process in Georgia law, the grand jury issued arrest warrants for those who are charged. I am giving the defendants the opportunity to voluntarily surrender no later than noon on Friday, the 25th day of August, 2023.
So the frontrunner for the Republican nomination, Donald Trump, is now a quadruple indictee. He has to turn himself in, along with 18 co-conspirators, by next Friday. But he's promising a dramatic and comprehensive presentation on Monday at his Bedminster Golf Club, which will prove election fraud in Georgia, a claim that has once again been rubbished by Republican Governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, in a moment that every news producer dreams of former presidential candidate Hillary Clinton was live on MSNBC as the racketeering indictment dropped. But she managed to keep a straight face and not shout, I told you so, at the top of her voice. I don't feel any satisfaction. I feel great, profound sadness that uh, we have a former president who has been indicted for so many charges that went right to the heart of whether or not our democracy would survive. Republicans have supported Trump through all of the charges so far and even his greatest critic, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, isn't impressed by Fannie. She's been investigating this thing for two, two and a half years. Jack Smith comes in within the last year. He swoops in, he charges quickly. And she said, whoa, wait a second. I've been looking at this. I'm sure what this indicates is there's not cooperation between her office and the special counsel's office. The death toll from the wildfires on the Hawaiian island of Maui continued to rise all week with more than 110 bodies already recovered. There are still many more unaccounted for and Maui Police Chief John Palatier says the fire's intensity has made it difficult to identify remains. The remains we're finding is through a fire that melted metal. We have to do rapid DNA to identify them. The fires practically leveled the tourist town of Lahina on the west of the island, destroying more than 1,000 residential homes and many local businesses. Hawaiian Governor Josh Green says the monetary loss from the fires is huge. The losses approach $6 billion in estimate. The extraordinary thing is to have this leadership from D.C., they can begin to look at how we can rebuild, but also how we can get resources to our people who have lost almost everything. The island of Maui has a number of famous residents, including Mick Fleetwood of Fleetwood Mac, who owned a bar and restaurant that was destroyed. He's already flown aid in for his workers and their families. Oprah Winfrey also lives on Maui part-time and has been helping efforts on the ground. In a week or two, all the cameras will be gone and the rest of the world is going to move on with their lives. And we're all still going to be here trying to figure out what is the best way to rebuild. Thursday saw the head of the Emergency Management Agency in Maui, Herman Mandea, resign. He's been under pressure because of the decision not to sound the alert sirens as the fire spread. He said he was worried that people would flee towards the mountains and straight into the path of the fire. There was also a grim warning from Hawaii Governor Josh Green that the wildfire might not be an isolated incident. It was a fire hurricane and I want to warn the entire planet about this. We have to all do right now, right now, what we can to stop global warming and reverse it. So to come on the sound at seven, Ice Cube stands up for his neighbor and we pay tribute to the king of talk shows. Right after this. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome back. 
More details emerged on Wednesday about the apparent Russian spy ring that had been operating in the UK. Scotland Yard had disclosed that five people, three men and two women, were arrested on suspicion of an offence under the Official Secrets Act on February 8th, and three of them have now been charged by the Met Police with identity offences. They're accused of posing as American journalists with IDs for the Discovery Channel and National Geographic amongst the materials seized. Former head of the National Counterterrorism Security Office, Chris Phillips, says the alleged spies are potentially dangerous. We know that Russians are actively killing people and have been killing people across Europe and, and in the UK. We don't know exactly what these have been up to. That will become clearer, hopefully, uh, at the trial date. Former MI6 intelligence officer Harry Ferguson says it's all a bit of a shambles and MI5 only broke the story because of the legal necessity of the trial. If these guys were agents at all, just looking at the way they're set up, the amount of time they've been in the country and the fact they possessed just that sheer number of forged documents suggests they're what we call in the trade facilities agents. What you're really after are the intelligence agents. They're the ones who are going to make the contacts and steal your secrets. And we don't seem to have any leads in that area at all. We've had every possible take on Meghan and Harry, you would think, but you'd be wrong. Monday saw an unexpected Meghan ally speak up, none other than Ice Cube. He was asked about a tabloid newspaper's headline, Harry's girl is almost straight out of Compton, famously used about Meghan back in 2016. She and Harry felt it was racist and described the debate that followed as a horrible experience. Ice was happy to defend his former neighbour. Some great people that come out of Compton. You know, some of them are better than the people that come out of Beverly Hills. But I think You know, when you're in the house, you can make more changes to the house than when you're outside of the house. The UK lost another showbiz legend on Thursday with the death of interviewer extraordinaire Sir Michael Parkinson. He was quite simply the king of TV from 1971 to 2007, with over 2,000 celebrities facing him for a gentle but firm inquisition. There were tributes from big names and former guests, including Michael Caine, Elton John and Angela Rippon. He was 88 years of age and passed away after a short illness in the company of his family. This is one of the most dramatic moments when George Michael gave him his first interview after his LA arrest back in 1998. Rest in peace, Michael. I can remember being eight or nine years old and my mum would allow me to stay up only to watch the Parkinson's show. She thought it would be a bit of quality watching. She probably wouldn't have been quite as thrilled if I had to take my willy out to get on here. You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Give us seven minutes we'll give you the world.